Let's turn to the scriptures, please. We turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Probably one of the more widely known chapters in the book of Matthew, if not in all of New Testament scripture. Matthew chapter 24. It's a little warm in here. It's a full house, as you see, and the temperature's going up. And with lively music, you may find that you're a little extra warm. Don't be afraid to shed a coat or a layer. Loosen your tie if you want. Matthew chapter 24, beginning to read at verse 27, please. The Lord Jesus is the speaker, and he says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, even from one end of heaven to the other. Keep your Bibles open in Matthew 24. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, you're worshipped in this place. Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is lifted up and magnified in this place. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is enabling us, even now, to love the Son of God. We love you because you first loved us. And we thank you, Lord, that you came and bled and died. And you rose again and ascended into heaven. Lord, even in this reading, you tell us you're coming back again. Lord, we pray that you'd help everyone to be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. This message, uh, it's not really meant to be about the second coming, but nevertheless, when you go into Matthew 24, you can see nothing else. For verse 28 stands out as though it shouldn't be there, but I want to show you that it is every right To be there for the Lord said it himself. Verse 28 says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Let me read it again. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. You know, I said this morning, and when I said the title of the message tonight is, Move Your Carcass. You know what? I don't know whether that's a Belfast saying or maybe it's an Ulster saying, Northern Ireland saying. I don't know whether whether it's a a worldwide known saying or whatever, how many people would understand that saying. But it's when someone is sitting or lying down and they're in the way. It's a common saying to hear, or it was a common saying to hear, someone say to the other, move yourself. Or even if you wanted to be a little more blunt, move your carcass, do something, get out of the road. I remember when I was a wee boy and maybe my mum 
was vacuuming the floor and I was maybe in the middle. I was oblivious to all that was going on around me and she needed that spot. She needed to be able to get the vacuum across that part where I was lying or sitting. And she would have said, move yourself. Now, she wasn't as blunt as move your carcass, but we have heard it many times that there is a certain time that we must be up and doing. And there is a decision to be made, especially when it comes to the gospel. Especially when our eyes are open through divine intervention and Almighty God speaks to us for us to be ready, for us to be born again of the Spirit of God, for us to be trusting fully in the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ has told us He is coming again. And he's coming to planet earth. And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Then it will roll on throughout the millennium. So move your carcass. You can forgive me. Please don't shoot the messenger tonight for saying that to you. Falling out with me at the door and saying I'm not speaking to you anymore for you've spoken bluntly to me. But there is in a way saying to the church tonight... Move your carcass. In other words, let's get up and doing for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And there is also for those who have never come to saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, it would be move your carcass. Now bear with me. I want to dissect this a little this evening before everyone starts to run out the door and fall out with me. In Matthew chapter 24 It's a portion of scripture which has, by many scholars and theologians and students of God's word, been pondered over, it's been mused through, it's been debated on. And right throughout church history, people have said it's all past. It's called preterist or preterist point of view, that the Lord will not come in power and glory as we say he's coming They believe that he has already come. It was a little uh, localized coming. Nonsense. It's worldwide. And then there are those who are unsaved, who think it's bumpkin and nonsense, who believe that Christ will never come, for Christ was never risen from the dead. Sir, I would say to you this evening that if you do not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then you cannot be saved. And also, you are most miserable for what hope have you for the future. Here, theologians also may try and say that some is past and some may be future. Past for us, yes indeed. And some has taken place as a localized appearing of, or a localized uh, fulfillment of the word of God. But also there has been a generalized. Now stay with me while I bring you through this this evening. In Matthew's gospel chapter 24, let's read the first three verses. For example, the Lord Jesus, as he is speaking to his disciples, he is generalizing the word of God to those who would hear, speaking into the air, speaking to his disciples, calling those whom he was sent to come for. And he's saying unto them, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus saith unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, 
There shall not be left here one stone upon another. Notice that. That shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us. Now he becomes private, not generalized. Privately saying, Tell us. What then shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? Notice, and of the end of the world. In other words, at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is linked with the end of the world. Not a localized appearing where they say a big face appeared in the clouds of Jesus during the wars of the Jews, which was nonsense, friend. Here we have a worldwide global event that will happen at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says. He's now looking at a close future, which is our history or past. He said that the temple would be taken down, that one stone would not be left upon another. I'm going to say something that might offend people in their theology. It might offend people who are listening to this at a later date, but I want to tell you something. You see, when you look at Jerusalem and you see the Wailing Wall and the Jews bowing at it and putting their little notes into it and they're bobbing back and forward and praying at the Wailing Wall, they say this is the part left of Solomon's temple. Now, if that be so, then Jesus got it wrong and Jesus is a liar. For he said, one stone would not be left upon another. And there are large stones one upon another. But Jesus didn't get it wrong. And Jesus is not a liar. That wall, you see, is not part of Solomon's temple. That is just a retaining wall that was put up. For the gospel is the word of God. And the scripture says, thy word is truth. Here we have men chasing after these things. You know, it's turned into a great big relic. I don't believe in relics. I don't believe we bow at idols, nor any type of relic. But I believe they that worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth, Jesus said. He said it in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. She says, oh, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She says, Jews worship in Jerusalem, meaning at the temple. She says, but we worship here, says, among the hills and the groves, or the idols in every bush and every tree. And Jesus says unto her, the time is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, neither in Jerusalem nor at an idol in a grove. You see, when you get saved, you can worship the Lord in your house. You can worship the Lord in the park. You can worship the Lord in your car. You can worship the Lord in your workplace. You can worship the Lord wherever you are. You know why? For when you get saved, the Lord dwells in you and ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let's not look the relics of any sort, whether they seem nice or good or not. Let me tell you something, friend, if you're not saved. Here's the wonderful thing. If you get saved tonight, the Lord will go home with you. For he will be in you. If you get saved tonight and born again of the Spirit of God, the Lord will be your companion forever. So here we have this reading saying the temple stones 
would be taken down. A.D. 70, Titus the Roman general came and surrounded the city walls of Jerusalem. This is very important for the rest of the chapter too. He surrounded the city walls with his legions of the Roman armies. And in AD 70, they went in. The Jews set fire to the temple. The Romans came and put their great Roman standards up against the temple and around it. In other words, the abomination of desolation was come. And here we have in AD 70, the Jews set fire to the temple and the place was a mass with gold. Not just a little bit of gold here and a little candlestick there. Gold was everywhere in the temple. And the flames gathered up the heat and the heat melted all of the gold. And the gold ran like rivers down the walls of the temple. Went through the great big stones. There weren't little bricks like the bricks on the outside of this building. They were great massive slabs of stones. And down between the crevices ran all of the gold. And it fixed itself there as it cooled. And Titus gave the order. Now listen what the order was. Pull down the temple, brick by brick. Leave not one stone upon another. They took it down to get the gold from between the bricks. Just as Jesus said, they tore down that temple. So our Lord was warning them. He was warning them the armies would encompass them. And they must be ready. They must be ready. I'll look at at it in a little moment. I'm going to take you back to it in a little moment. But remember what I said. They must be ready. And those who would hear the word of God. And those who would obey the voice of the Lord Jesus. And those who became, if you want, in our terms, Christian. In other words, those who followed the way. When the armies came, they would flee. And none of them would come under the judgment upon that house. If you were to go with me, that is in the past now. If you go with me in the chapter, then flick over to verse 30 of our reading. Here we look to the future. The Lord Jesus says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth, notice it's global, All the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. Here now he's pointing, and we are looking to the future the last days. When he says, this says the disciples, will these things be on the end of the world? When will one stone be taken down? When will the temple be decimated? When will it be torn down and raised to the ground? And when will be the end of the world, Lord? The temple has already fallen, as Jesus has said, AD 70. And right through church history, we now look for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have future. If you were to read on, verse 32. Now I learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender, putteth forth leaves, know ye that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye when ye shall see all these things, know it is near, even at the doors. Know what he's saying? You see when you see the fig tree, 
He says, when you see that, it's a sign in the earth that my coming is even at the doors. What is the fig tree? I told you before a couple of years ago. I'll maybe tell you next week. But what if the Lord comes and I didn't look and see it? (laughs) The fig tree is the Jews. The Jews came back. The Jews were in. The Jews have taken over. And Zionist Jews have taken over the land of Palestine, as it were. When they come into their land, they represent the fig tree. Jesus says, know now that summer is near. It's even at your door. God willing, we'll look at that maybe next week, unless the Lord gives me something else. So here we're given signs that throughout our life we are to look for in order to be able to establish that the coming of the Lord it draweth nigh. So the Lord goes back into his past then. In other words, back into the past before his days of flesh and before the disciples. And if you let your eye run down the verse for 37, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man of man be. Then he gives us an example of what it will be like. Then two shall be in a field and one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. In other words, there will be the saved and the unsaved. And one shall be taken and one shall be left. They were taken, were changed. Taken up to meet the Lord in the air. We're changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We will return with him. And the wicked will be taken from off the earth. Or the unsaved will be taken from off the earth. Verse 42 says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. You don't know when he's coming. In other words, move your carcass. Be up and doing. And be ready for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The Lord tells us throughout this chapter there will be false Christs, false prophets, if it were possible that they should deceive the elect in verses 23 and 24. And in verse 25, he tells us if someone was to tell us where to go to find him, he says, Behold, I I have told you before. In other words, before it happens, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. The Muslims tell us that Muhammad had his visions of the archangel who gave him the revelation of Allah in the desert. And they're flocking after him. And actually in the West, especially, the, 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 the religion of Islam is one of the fastest growing religions. Yet Jesus said, I'm coming back. And people will say, Muhammad was in the desert. Go not after him. And behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe him not. Now see that secret chambers. That secret chambers can be shown to you. I can't do it tonight for time's sake. But when the Roman Catholic Church lock in all of their cardinals into secret chambers, 
till they decide who the next man in the place of Christ will be. He comes out and calls himself the vicar of Christ, says, go not forth, don't go out to them. There's a whole study in that alone. Then he says, what will it be like at his coming? He says, for us, the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west. Even so, so shall the coming of the sun of man be. You know what he's saying? You don't need to go to a desert. You don't need to worry about the secret places. You don't need to run after this or that or believe, well, here's someone, it's Jesus come in another form, it's another Christ, or it's one of these charismaniacs who's claiming to be Messiah. Uh, uh, there's ones in, in, in Protestant even denominations that are standing forth. And they're saying that, I'm Dr. So-and-so. That's not you, doctor, by the way. It's another one. Uh, and they're saying, I, I am Christ. Look it up for yourself. You can see them. Follow me, I'm Messiah. And Jesus says they'll come out of all manner of places and all denominations and they'll say, follow me for I'm Christ. But you know what he says? Don't you worry, you won't miss it. For as the lightning comes and shines from the east to the west, he says, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He says, every eye shall see me and I will come with power and great glory. So don't let any man fool you tonight. Are you saved? Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation? For should he come tonight as the lightning shines from the east to the west, friend, don't you let other men fool you by saying, oh, you'll get a second chance. No second chance. The saved will be saved and the lost will be lost. Are you saved tonight? You know something, people may turn around and say, oh, you shouldn't say this and you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say the other thing. Listen, I love you enough to tell you. So our, our verse from our reading, our main verse is verse 28. The Lord says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now when you're reading, you can read Mark, Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 17. And these three chapters are what's known as the Synoptic Gospels. And you'll see they coincide with one another. They relate to one another. John's is different. John's is magnificent also, but John's is different. But it's only in Matthew chapter 24 and only in Luke chapter 17 that this verse is used slightly different in Luke chapter 17, verse 37. Luke says, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now, if you and I interpret Scripture with Scripture and go by the Bible pattern of Scripture, you'll see that our Lord was looking back to Israel in the wilderness after they come out of Egypt. The Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 49 
and 50 says these things. He warns Israel. He says, I've given you my commandments. The first one is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. He gives them ten commandments. He says, I want you to love me, and I'll bless you. Then he says, when his people go against him, listen to what he says, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth. Notice this. As swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. You know what the Lord was saying here? The Lord says, I look after you. I want to keep you. I love you. But if you want to walk your own way, then you are open to the wiles of the devil. And if you want to walk away from me, then you're open to all that he will throw at you. And if you don't want to have me as your Lord in your life and your nation, he says, then there is a great eagle. Not the eagle that is Almighty God we read about, but an eagle that's ferocious, an eagle-type ravenous bird, another nation that will come and take you away. Israel, as we know, separated into two kingdoms, the house of Israel in the north, the ten tribes, and the two tribes in the south, the house of Judah. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me, please. I want to show you what they looked like, what Israel looked like to the Lord before they're carrying away captive by a great eagle. Isaiah chapter 1, please. And verse 2. Listen to what the Lord says through the prophet. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. Notice, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. You know how bad they went? He says, even an old oxen, knows its owner, loves its owner, follows its owner. Even the old ass, a donkey, knows where its owner's house is and loves to come there and to dwell there. He says, but you, Israel, you don't even want me. There's someone like that tonight. You don't even want him. There's someone like that tonight. You'd run away from him. That you would rebel after hearing God's word. He says they didn't even want to know me. Imagine not wanting to know Almighty God. How privileged we are tonight. That we know the Lord, the creator and the God of the heavens and the earth. That his son would come and bleed and die for a guilty, vile, useless, hell-deserving sinner as you and me. Notice what they looked like as a nation. They brought in idols and they worshipped other things. They played the heart at spiritual idolatry and adultery. Notice what he says. Ah, oh, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They have gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. Notice what he says. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, 
Even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land strangers have disfarted or destroyed it. In your presence, it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. You know what happened? The eagle came. The eagle came. The Lord says, look, there's a judgment that's looming. Something that's hovering around, just waiting to strengthen itself on the death of others. There's another nation here and it's fierce. He says it's run by the Babylonian mystery powers. The satanic powers that want to vanquish all of God's people. He says, and look what you look like to me. Wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Have you ever seen a putrefying sore? I'm sure some of the nurses have. The doctors maybe. Have you ever seen a putrefying sore? Have you ever smelt a putrefying sore? When I was 16, I worked with a big fella, and he had a big putrefying sore on his toe, big toe. And you know, he took off his sock one day, and the sock was stuck between pus and blood, and he stunk the whole workplace out. And I still remember it. And I'm 45. I know I don't look it, but I am. <laughs> the Lord says, you know what your sin is like before me? Stinks in my nostrils. I'm not a bad spot, eh? I'm not a bad guy. I went to Donnacrony Elam. So what? The Lord would say, Where's Donnacrony Elam? It's my people, he says. Are you one of his people? The Lord doesn't love this building, you know. The Lord loves you. Here we have a nation that had spiritually fallen away from God. And so they physically were devoured before Almighty God. For the Assyrians carried them away captive. And they went into captivity and the rest through out the nations in Europe and so on. They died in the wilderness, as it were, lost to themselves. And Ezekiel chapter 37 talks of a valley of dry bones. You know what happened? The eagles or the vultures came and picked their bones. In other words, they lost everything that they knew. There was no turning back. It was too late. What if it was too late for you tonight? What if it was too late for you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? What if tonight was the last chance? What if tonight was the last time you'd walk out those doors and never hear the voice of God again? What if tonight, God forbid, but what if tonight something happened and you never woke up from your sleep? What if tonight, you next time you woke up, you're in the judgment of God? You'll close your eyes in death, but you'll carry on out into eternity, friend. The vultures of judgment has reached you. Let me go back to our chapter. You know, the thing was, I was writing this most of yesterday. And I said to Alison, 
says, I haven't finished this. He says, Ken, you'll probably not finish it in the next six weeks. By the way, you're going. Because when you see so much, you want to tell so much, you want to warn so much, you want to try and give your heart, you want to pour yourself into somebody, you want to say, Look, waken up. Move your carcass. For this could be the last time. Your heart could beat the last heartbeat and your eye could blink the last blink and your breath could be the last breath. And we pour ourselves into you to say we love you, we want to see you saved. Christian, if you're not living for the Lord, it's time to get your act together and get ready for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Let me take you back just briefly and we'll try and round this up. Matthew 24 and verse 28. Let's go to our verse again. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The eagle was the Assyrian Empire, away back who took away the house of Israel. And says, though the Lord, as Almighty God, is seeing the nation, and now we have the house of Judah, now we have a remnant of the house of Judah, the Jews now are sitting around him, And he's reliving, if I can use that term, although he's the living God, he's reliving in his mind. He's saying, you know, there are great eagles that want to devour you. So what are these great eagles that wanted to devour them? Well, we're told that, as I said, AD 70, the Romans came and Titus surrounded around the city. And it is reported that one million Jews were either starved to death, killed themselves, crucified around the walls of Jerusalem, or they were murdered in other ways through warfare. One million. And here's the thing. Jesus gave a warning of 40 years. Hey, it's never coming. It'll never happen. So we've got another day, another week, another month, another year. Jesus gave a warning of 40 years. And he said to them, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, he says. He says, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Took it from them. He says, And there will be judgment coming. The very eagle were the Roman standards, the eagle standards upon the poles that would rest against the temple. Now here's the thing. Jesus was saying unto them, He says, as the carcass is, he says, wherever it is, he says, the eagles will be gathered together. The word carcass here gives the idea of something that might have had life and now lies dead. He says, and your worship in the temple is dead. Your ministry is dead. It's no longer of use. And listen to what he says. He says, and there where that place is. He says, the eagle will come, the vulture, and devour you. See how now how it's linked into the chapter. It isn't something threw up into the air. The Lord Jesus says everything that he means and every, means everything that he says. So he tells them that judgment is coming. Listen to what John Knox says on his writings on the epistles and the gospels. I quote him, he says, The lifeless corpse of Judaism will naturally attract to itself the carrion eagles of Rome. Attract them to a definite spot. 
definite time and spot. Jesus says it will happen. And the Roman soldiers encircled the city of Jerusalem. And they destroyed the place. Here's the thing for those who wonder, well, why would the Lord allow that to happen? It happened because they were not scripturally based. They were not true to God's word. The Lord called them vipers. He called them the seed of Satan. Now listen to this. Chapter 24 and verse 16. Let's go to it. He says, when that was happening, he says, verse 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Isn't that so simple? Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And do you know what is believed now through records and old writings that whoever moved their carcass. In other words, they came to life, shifted themselves, and got up and obeyed the word of the Lord. In other words, Jesus says, it's going to happen. When you see the signs that are happening, he says, get up and get out. Move your carcass, he says, for it will save you. You'll be saved. And it's believed that not one believer in Christ died because they believed in the word of God. You hear them? Hey. The Romans are coming. And you know what? Caligula, in AD 38, he tried to set a statue up right outside the temple. Remember that? That must have been a sign too. Look what's happening in all, all of the political side, he says. It's time to, to get up and get out. For the Romans are coming. Judgment, the eagles, the, the, the vultures are coming, he says. You see one saying it to the other, and they all get up and they went out and they went over the mountains to Pila. You know where that is? That's around Decapolis. You know where Decapolis is? Remember the man who was healed of the demons? And he wanted to follow the Lord. The Lord says, go and tell the great things that God has done for thee. And he went into Decapolis, the place of ten cities. Hey, he must have evangelized it for the Christians to be able to run there. Isn't God great and be able to provide for our salvation? Doesn't God know what he's doing from the beginning to the ending thereof? When Jesus went, he knew the man would go to the capitalist, that men and women would be born again. And that those who would obey his word and flee Judea would flee to there and be saved. So simple, isn't it? And to you and I, to be saved, the gospel so simple, yet it cost Christ his life. I want to finish here. Thank you for your attention. <clears throat> I say to you, there's a lot going on at the minute and there's signs of the times all around us. I'm not going into them, that's for another night again. You know I do those quite regular. But do you know as you're sitting here tonight, Britain's new one billion pound destroyer is on its way to the Gulf. Why? Because it's ready to challenge Iran. It's the most high-tech ship in the ocean at the minute of any nation. It's on its way as we speak. Do you know as we speak there are two Russian warships on their way to Syria? They say they'll be there by the end of this week. You know why? Because Russia and Iran will take 
through the Jews in Israel, the land of Israel, and Britain and America are going to fight against that. The 57th fleet, if my memory serves me right, of the American Corps are now, are been in Bahrain for, Bahrain for some time. You know where the uprising is? They won't let it go. You know why? Because they're south of Iran. You know where they are to the north of Iran? Afghanistan. That's why they're there. Pincer movements. Do you not see that in a world that's fallen and degraded and sinful that all these things are coming and Jesus says, there's a warning for you. Get right with me, for I'm coming soon. Are you saved? Are you right with the Lord? Are you born again of the Spirit? God bless you. Thank you for your attention and your attendance. It's been tremendous tonight. I know it's warm. And you know, I had a mountain of stuff there, and I was panicking all day. Yes, he said, no, that's not right. That's not right. But the Lord just, well, he led me off at the other things. But we know the Lord will bless his own word in public. Will you see, see me? There's many, any others of us here if you're concerned, you want to be saved, please see us tonight. Don't go out without knowing Christ as Savior for the coming of the Lord. Draw off now. Where the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. Brother, would you come and sing again?